Greetings and welcome to Union Street Hoops, a podcast dedicated to Valparaiso basketball and now the Missouri Valley Conference. It is the beginning of conference season. I'm your host, Paul Oren, at NWI Oren on Twitter, and you can catch Union Street Hoops on NWI.com, iTunes, and SoundCloud. And today, joined by a special guest, probably the longtime recurring guest, uh, Todd Eichau, the voice of the Crusaders. Todd, conference season starts in a couple hours. How excited are you for the Missouri Valley Conference? Well, it's it's always an exciting time of the year. I think we said this at the beginning of the year. Yeah, it's we said that exciting was exciting too. Um, but now but you this but, is, this is fun. Yeah, uh, and honestly, in a season in which you know Valpo's had so many ups and downs, and there's been a lot of disappointments, quite frankly, and not not in the record. It's seven and six, which is okay. I think we expect maybe a little better, but in the way the team has played at times has been so disappointing, and with all the ups and downs that. It's kind of a chance to start anew, and and if you could open the season with a win against Illinois State, you know suddenly you know things start looking good. And Valpo has been a little helter skelter this year, but so has everybody else in the Valley. Illinois State, I picked them to win the league, and they're seven and six as well, and they've been a mess. You know, Valpo. We'll get into this a little bit, but one of Valpo's best players is struggling shooting the ball. One of Illinois State's best players, Kashawn Evans, is really struggling shooting the yeah. ball. And uh, and the maladies don't stop with Illinois State. Loyola hasn't been great. You know, Bradley had a couple good wins, but they've been down Bradley's lately. Had, Bradley's had a couple really bad games. Yeah. As well, Southern uh, Illinois got a suspension with one of their best players, and not really sure what they've got. Their big man has not really been what he was a couple of years ago. So everybody at the top is really—I mean, other than Drake and Indiana State—I would say that the entire league I, is. I was going to say that Northern Iowa's been really bad. They've, they've been the worst team in the league, uh, actually, and I think most people expected them to finish in the top half of the league. Um, Drake has obviously been the big surprise. Uh, you look at Drake, and they've had a couple. I think they beat Boise, and they had a great win uh, against a very good San Diego team on a neutral court and a, and a thrilling double overtime game. And then they've just kind of held serving games, which you figured yeah. they, they, they could win. They obviously have been better, much better than expected. They're in the top 100 in the RPI. I don't think anybody expected that. Most people expect them to, to be one of the worst teams in the Valley. They lost just about everybody but Nick McGlynn. Uh, they brought in a bunch of new players. They brought in a bunch of players from the region who were not top 300 players out of high school, were not expected to be, uh, you know, outstanding Division One players, and they've been very, very good. Um, and you mentioned Indiana State, and their backcourt has been phenomenal. Uh, and I think Jordan Barnes probably comes into the conference as the favorite to win the MVP of the league. He's yeah. been incredible. He's put up humongous numbers. His uh, his Team has had big wins. Uh, they played great on a neutral court in a tournament, which just concluded before Christmas. Um, no, they beat I, Colorado, I think. They, they beat Colorado, um, and they beat UNLV. Um, and I think it just shows kind of what the Valley's all about. Uh, not that some of the top teams have played poorly, but there's so much balance in this league. And, yeah. and you know, since Wichita State left, uh, I think this is what you can expect. Loyola had that huge run a year ago that's probably not going to happen in the next 10 years a run like that not yeah. not the run to the final four obviously that's you know incredible Once in a lifetime. but the way they ran through the conference i, I don't that's think that's going to happen i don't i don't think in the next four or five years going forward we're going to see a team uh that's only going to have one conference loss or two conference losses i think i think records like uh 
14 and four are going to fight for the conference championship over the next uh, number of years. Valpo again tips off tonight against Illinois State. And when we had you on before the season started, we did this over under thing. And I want to go through each player. You've seen every game. You've seen the good UNLV yeah. and George Washington. You've seen the bad uh, Ball State, the beginning of Texas A&M the end of high point, yeah. uh, and, and everything in between. Uh, so I want to kind of go player by player and just get your impressions a little bit of, of kind of how you thought they've gone. And I may be a little critical here, Paul. No, and yeah. that's fair. <laughs> that's why I want you. That's why I want you. Normally Parker Gatewood and I at this time of the year would give out grades. And yeah. I just, uh, you know, sometimes I'm taught when you don't have anything nice to say, yeah. you know, but, uh, so let's start with Javon Freeman, the freshman. We're just going to go numerically here. Uh, we said he'd have 11 and a half points a game. He's got to be right around there. Right? He's at 11.3 yeah. so he's right there uh I, and think, I said slightly under by the way yes you did 11.3 slightly under yeah. for for my money you see all the talent with Javon yeah. Freeman right I mean what 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 are your impressions of him through 13 games? real high basketball IQ very rarely turns it over very rarely takes a bad shot um obviously great ability to get to the basket um, I'm hoping the shot gets a little better as we, we move on. 29% um, from the three-point yeah, line. Yeah, and I think he can be better than that. But obviously, uh, he always gets a tough defensive assignment and has performed very well defensively. It might be fair to say he's been Valpo's most consistent uh, player. Uh, early in the year, he was scoring more than he has scored of late, but he brings all the intangibles. Uh, I don't think you could ask for much more. He obviously is going to be a very, very special player. He's going to learn how to score a little more. Uh, but he has great ability to get to the basket, and he has great ability to defend. And, uh, you know, he leads the league in steals. Yeah, he's got 22 steals. He is, uh, he's taken the most free throws on Valpo's team, 42. He's also hit the most at 28, but only a 67% free throw shooter right now. I, I think he's got to, I think for him to be the player, which, which he can be, he's got to get the, the three-point percentage up in the high 30s. Uh, I'm sure he'll end up this season probably well over 70% from the free throw line. At least you would hope over 70% from the free throw line. Uh, I think he's, you know, if you look at a freshman who ends up uh, leading the league in steals, uh, averages maybe 12 points a game, uh, guards the team's best opponent. You can't ask for much more than that. And he's third on the team with 30 assists. So yeah. he's uh, he's 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 been as good as advertised. I think we expect him to maybe continue to get better. Yeah. Um, next player on the list hasn't played all but three minutes. Micah Bradford. Um, you know, I just incomplete, I, Paul. Yeah, I'm I think, give him the incomplete grade. It, it appears Mike is not going to play this year. Yeah, uh, that's best. There's no indications that Mike is going to suit up and play this year. You can only uh, assume that he's going to he's going to ask for a, a medical redshirt, and then uh, you know his future. It would appear. Uh, is up in the air. And I think Micah will be slated to graduate, too. So I think people have said, well, how do you redshirt this year? And then if he were to leave, then he would have two years. You have to sit out another year. I think he'll be a grad transfer and, and may have two years. But uh, but he may stay as well. You, you okay. never really know. So uh, let's circle back to Javon. What do we get? B plus? B? Where are we at? Yeah, I would think at least a B plus a B, would be fair. B plus is good. Uh, a guy that we didn't really know what to think of going into the season was this uh, grad transfer, Dion Lavender. We said 3.6 assists per game. He's got 70 assists in 13 games. That's over five assists yeah, per game. Yeah, he's third in the league in, in assists right now at 5.4, I believe. Uh, he's been great. Um, Just came out of the starting he, lineup in he, the last he's game. He's had defensive lapses, and I know that has been the point of emphasis. Um, and and that's, that's from my take, I don't have this 100%, but from my take is – 
Uh, we had back-to-back games, Ball State and Texas A&M, where his guy was scoring at will, and I think maybe a message was sent. That's yeah. that's how I, I approach this. Cause, uh, and again, when things are going bad, a lot of times you're going to shake things up. But uh, obviously, offensively, he's very, very skilled. He's very, very talented. Uh, he has to play harder on the defensive end. Uh, but he's been very good. He's been better than I think most people expected coming in. Um I think if this was like two weeks ago, I probably would have given him like an A minus. Yeah, but, uh, I think offensively an A minus. Sure, is fair. and I think the fair grade for Deion right now is probably a B. Yeah, it's what's interesting is that he's shooting fifty one percent from the field, but he's only five of twenty from the three point line. Well, he gets a lot of layups because of his ability to create and get to the basket. Uh, you know, most of his shots are layups. If you watch him play, he has a really good ability to get all the way to the basket. He's creative in that way. Uh, and of course, when people converge, he has the he, he gets the ball off at the right time. He's got a great assist to turnover ratio. He's been very, very good offensively. And for Valpo to make a run in the conference, he, he's got to be a, he's got to have a big impact. Second on the team in rebounding at four point six rebounds per game. Yeah, he's That's done a lot a, of very good things. And second on the team in steals, sixteen. Yeah. He's got uh, first player in like twenty years to have ten assists, no turnovers in a game. He is, uh, I think, a good solid B there for Dion. I think we're uh, we've. We might have doled out most of the bees that we can yeah, give out. Right. Uh, one one guy who is just uh, really really exciting to watch is Daniel Sackey. Yeah. Uh, I, he doesn't have great numbers by any stretch, but he's been certainly fun to watch. Well, he is a lot of fun to watch, and he plays really hard. And you got to love his energy. You know all those things. I, I talked to a few guys yesterday who, whose opinions I trust, and they said, you know, as the year goes on and he gets more playing time, he's going to be more comfortable in his decision making. He and is, that and that yeah. and that is the one thing which you kind of shake your head at. At times, he puts the ball in spots where he shouldn't go, and he ends up turning the ball over because he gets in spots where there's nowhere to go. He has to be more selective on his attacks to the basket. Uh, he can finish. His shot doesn't look good. Which I, I know there were games in high school where he made nine threes. You watch his shot and you'd say that seems very very unlikely. I think. Um, and this happens a lot. Guys come in as freshmen, and, and you don't get all those wide-open shots you get in high school. Yeah. And suddenly, when you get just one or two looks, you kind of press. Um, oh, i got to make this one. I finally got a look. And, you know, that. we hope that shot will come. 29% from the floor. Point, as a 9% from the three-point line. Is it one of line. 11, I think? Yeah, one of 11. So, 62% from the free-throw line. But, you know, he's... 19 assists to 16 turnovers. He's had some really good games. He's had some games where, yeah. and you know. I, I think as he plays more, um, his numbers will be better. And I think it's good. I'm assuming he's going to start here tonight. And I think it will be good to kind of move the minutes around and just shake things up. When things aren't going well, shake things up and, uh, and use different combinations. And, you know, maybe we'll see. I have no idea. Maybe Bakari and Dion uh, come again off the bench together and you play the freshmen some together yeah. and move the minutes around and see if uh, you can find the right formula. We had the over-under at 18 and a half games with more assists and turnovers. That was a complete shot in the dark. It was a kind of a fun category. Yeah. Uh, through 13 games, he's had four games where he's had more assists than turnovers, five games where he's had more turnovers and assists, and five where he's kind of pushed yeah um or, or four i think yeah four four and five is what it was i imagine if he starts playing more we'll see more assists than turnovers right, right. 
Okay, he cool. just hasn't had a lot of playing we'll see, I think right now you'd have to give him about a C. I, I don't see how you can give him much more than that. Again, he has not had really a big impact. He's fun to watch, but he hasn't really had a big impact. You know, as someone who gives out grades for a living, I can tell you some. not all Cs are created equal. Sometimes you give a C to somebody and say you got a you got a pretty easy path to raise this grade. And other times you give someone a C and you say, you know, you're about ready to fail this class. And I think I think uh, Daniel is a guy who is, is getting a C who's got a bil- ability to maybe jump his grade higher okay. than anybody else by the end of the year. Uh, now let's talk about the other one, okay. uh, Bakari Evelyn. Yeah, and uh, it's, it's been a disappointment, quite frankly. He, he won a game for Valpo uh, at George Washington. He was spectacular in that game. And then all the other games have been, uh, you know, you kind of shake your head at times. Uh, there was a time this year where I, I said, you know, he's really moving the basketball well. Uh, he's doing a lot of positive things. He's just not making shots. And I know I, I've talked to Bakari. He, he, I, I don't think he's 100%. Uh, I think maybe some of it is mental. Uh, he had worked on a, on a foot in the off season, and maybe um, – he just doesn't feel right. I don't know. But his shot obviously has been affected. His confidence uh, is is not where it needs to be, I think, shooting the ball. You see when a guy misses a lot of shots and he's a good shooter, um, I always think it's confidence. Maybe I'm overstating that. But, yeah. But that's how I always feel. Uh, and when the shot doesn't uh, – he's had a lot of go- shots that are dead on, look, go in and out. You know? Oh, yeah. And like Daniel Sackey's had a lot of balls that just they have no chance. A lot, most of Bakari's misses are, are close. And uh, – if Valpo's going to make a run in this league, if Valpo's going to win a lot of games in this league, he just has to be better than he's been. He's got to shoot the ball better. He's got to defend better. And I think that's that's one of the messages that's been sent to him is you got to defend better. You know, if you're not making shots and you're not defending, why are you on the court? You yeah. Know? And, and that's a strong message, but he's an adult, and he needs to take that message, and he needs to work harder, uh, and hopefully the shot will come. He's obviously an extremely talented player. Um and he can do a lot of positive things, and he, you know, he, his assist turnover ratio I think is good right now. Paul, you have it in front of you. What? Yeah, he's uh, he's forty to thirty right now in okay. assist and to turnover, and that's better, much better than it was a year ago. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, but every other, you know, he's shooting seventy seven percent from the free throw line. But we had the over under at thirty nine and a half percent from three point, and he's shooting twenty nine percent from the three point right. line. That's the uh, out of anyone, you know, other than than you know. Saki and Lavender. I mean, that's that's the lowest number. And with anyone with more than 40 field goal attempts, he's got the lowest percentage on the team. He's taken the most shots, 125 shots. He only made 43 of them. Uh, yeah, 43 out of 125. 34.4% from the floor. Uh, you never like to give an F out, but it yeah. kind of feels yeah, like... I think a D is fair a because he, he, is, he does have 40 assists and 30 turnovers and he did do. He did win the George. Uh, he won Washington a game, game for you against George Washington. Uh, he's got to be better. Yeah, there's, there's no question. And and he rolled an ankle the other day. And I think this people are are thinking, well, was he held out of a game for any other reason? I mean, he's he, limping. He, he definitely turned his ankle. There's no question about it. That was not a. That was not a. That was not. That was not a fallacy. Um, could he have played? Maybe taped it up and played. But was there a reason to play in that game with the conference season coming up on, on a tweaked ankle? No. Now I will say healthy I still think he's probably out of the starting lineup in that last game because I think the message was sent and yes. I talked to Matt Loddick about it and we asked uh, and he said look you got we got to get better in practice so if you're not practicing you're not 
probably going to play a whole lot. Right. And then we asked about the group that he put in that included Marcus Golder and Daniel Sackey, and he said, look, they're a competitive bunch right now. I like that. we got to get back to being tough and okay. gritty. And I think, again, as you said, the message to Bakari and to a lesser extent Dion has probably been sent, and we'll be curious yeah. to see. And I, I think from my conversation with Matt, he's kind of made it clear, listen, you got to play hard. we got to play on both ends. Uh, we can't be giving up layups because of lack of effort. And the guys who will prevent that are the guys who will see more playing time. We have to be competitive from a physical and defensive standpoint uh, in this league because everybody else will be. So here's a guy that is uh, one of Valpo's top returners, Marcus Golder, um, Came in last year as a JUCO transfer. Anytime I think when you come in as a JUCO transfer, I don't know if there's like an idea that you've got some sort of ceiling that, yeah. you know, he didn't have the pedigree certainly that, that Bakari or maybe even now Ryan Fazekas has. But but Golder is shooting 52%. Our over-under was 50%, so he's over that. He's shooting 38% from the three-point line. That's second on the team behind Fazekas. He's... You know, got 12 steals. He's got, uh, you know, three and a half rebounds a game, 73% from the free throw line, and he just started his first game of the year. Do you see him being more in the starting lineup? or? I, I think we'll see the same starting lineup uh, going forward, but I don't know that for sure. That just seems logical. Uh, you changed up the starting lineup. Uh, you felt like the effort was better. Um, why not at least stay with that lineup and see what happens? Um, you know, Marcus Golder has been quite frankly up and down. He's had games where he's been bad. Yeah, there was there was um, one a couple games ago. I think maybe I think Ball State, Texas A and M. I think was yeah. Uh, Ball State, he was good. Texas A and M was a struggle. Right, where you look at the last month of the season last year, he was borderline an All Conference player. We have not seen that this year. There have been games where he's played well, um, but you know, he has just not played as well for the most part over the last maybe three or four weeks as he played earlier this year and as he played in the last month of last year. He's still talented. He can still make shots. He can make plays. Um, Is obviously any- plays hard, great attitude. You know, you got to love the kid. But he, you know, he's been a C, I think, at best thus far this year. Is there an urge for him to want to make the highlight play maybe. every time he gets maybe. the ball? Maybe, maybe, maybe. And, and he, he may be is a guy who's best receiving a pass as opposed to dribbling and making the pass. And that's what he needs to keep in mind. There was a play against Texas A&M where he came up with a loose ball and he tried to dribble through three players and he turned it over and it led to a layup. And you're just thinking, you got to play to your strength. And you get the ball in the backcourt, give the ball up, and go then try to receive it. There are many times that he gets the ball and you just think this is going to be showtime, but it may be a show for Valpo or for the other team. Right. Uh, really a guy that we're, we'll get to here that uh, if he's healthy at the beginning of the year, maybe it changes the entire course of how we talk about the season. Jace Arroyo, uh, from all accounts in the preseason, he was he was he'd broken through and was ready to really take the next step. Then he gets hurt, uh, you know, goes to Spain, does some rehab, comes back. He's played in seven games. Um, we said five and a half rebounds a game. He's at 3.3 rebounds a game. He's struggling really with any lift off his ankle right now. He's he, he he played better in the last game, obviously against smaller competition. Paul, he's obviously not comfortable for whatever reason. He is not the same player. Um, 
maybe he's not 100% healthy. That's the only thing I can assume. Maybe he lost some confidence when he was injured. Um, he looks like a player on the offensive end that is completely lost. And, and, and that I, was and his, I, his strength and, coming in. And I've been critical of him, and maybe not fairly because he's been – he can't be 100%. No. He's missed at least 10 layups since he's been back. Um, and he always had that soft touch around the basket. When he got the ball close to the basket, he finished for two seasons. And now he can't finish at all. 39% from the floor. For a guy who every single shot is right at the rim. Think about that. Yeah. This is a guy who every single shot he has taken this year is right at the rim. And he's made 39% of them. 9 of 23. He's I mean, missing that, dunks on regular with regular. So 9 of 23, he's missed. He's taken 23 shots. He's missed 14 of them. And those 14 misses have all been within five feet of the basket. Has he? Do you remember him taking a shot more than five feet from no. the basket this year? No, no. So what's going on there? Uh, it's hard to fathom. He has to play. He has to get better. He's very good defensively. Uh, he can rebound the basketball for you. And quite frankly, when you have a guy who's dominating you inside, you're better off with Jay in the game than Derek, as good as Derek has been, because Jay will uh, defend. And not that Derek isn't better defensively and he leads the team in block shots, uh, but Jay's the better defender. And obviously Derek is miles ahead of Jay on the offensive end. And unfortunately, he can't put the two guys together and have that uh, supreme dominant center. Um, But so Jay's got to play. Obviously, Derek can't play 40 minutes anyway, Uh, but he's you just hope he feels more comfortable and he gets better. Uh, He works hard. He's got a lot of ability. He can really, really defend. Remember, he had that stretch his freshman year where he was—he looked like Vasile Fernandez, just yeah. dominating on the defensive end. Uh, but he has not been good at all. Uh, you know, the defense has been fine, but the offense has been so bad. I think the best grade you can give Jay right now is like a D minus. No, I agree. I agree, and I, I wonder, like, the biggest kind of hindrance on the team going, you know, into conference was it Bakari or was it Jay Soroya? Both you expected to make big jumps forward this year neither one of them have right. have made them they've both regressed a little bit so those are, are probably the two most critical now if i think about who the most improved player on the team is this year it's got to be Derek smiths derrick's been great um now he has fallen off over the last yeah, few weeks yeah, absolutely um but you know he had games against the best opponents west virginia unlv where he absolutely dominated the game um, for long stretches, uh, he played very well against Wake Forest. You have to think that he's going to have an outstanding. You know, he's been a tremendous surprise. I give him an A, actually, yeah, because I think so. he has progressed and he's played harder and he's played better defensively. He's still not great defensively, but he's got twenty blocks. But, we but said. he's been better, yeah. and and he is a force offensively. And you just hope that there's no plateau because he has leveled off here and actually took a kind of step back over the last few weeks that he regains how he played in those big games against the best opponents during those games where he averaged there was that four or five game stretch which included Wake Forest and UNLV uh, and West Virginia where he was averaging over 20 points and 10 rebounds I mean if, if he plays like that in the Valley, Valpo's got a chance for a lot of wins. So here's my favorite stat of the year. In his first 68 career games, he had one game with 20 or more points, and then he had three out of four with 20 or more right. points. But as you said, it's leveled off a little bit. Well, he hadn't had double-digit 
rebounds at all. And then he had three out of five games where he had double-digit yeah. rebounds. Leading the team with six and a half rebounds. He's got 20 blocks. We set the over-under at 25. You'd like to think he'll hit that, Yes, obviously. he's going to go past that, obviously. Uh, so, yeah, I'd give him an A and, and maybe an A- minus just because of the last couple games. But I think he's been – you know, when Jay was out, I thought, okay, Derek's got to be the guy. Yeah. And and then the other guy that I thought would, would really rise up this year – has been Malik McMillan. Yeah, and, and, that, again, and again, we see stretches where, wow, look what he just did. But there's no consistency there. He actually, you know, he was benched for a few games because he was just struggling. He plays hard. Uh, he works hard. Uh, he has a ton of ability. Obviously, we hope it all comes together, but right now it hasn't yet. Um, maybe if he gets a little more playing time, he can. I know that... The thought is we've got to play him and let him get better. Um, and we see moves that he makes at times, maybe once a game, where he wows you. Yeah. Some people say, well, he, he's teasing us, you know, yeah. because there's no consistency there. And that and that's the unfortunate thing. Um, you know, I give Malik, without being too critical, I think you got to give him a D. He just is yeah. not, he's just not helped this team win games right now. And I was the guy who touted two months ago he's going to help them win games. And I look like the fool right now. I hope he turns things around. He's a great kid. I, I, I root for him. You know, the, these guys who come and they, they play real hard and they work real hard in practice. Uh, I said the same thing about Marcus Golder. Uh, you just root for guys like that and hope that uh, as the year goes on, it kind of clicks in and uh, he plays up to his potential. You touted Malik, but remember, I'm the one who compared Parker Hazen to Alec Peters last year. So yeah. I'll uh, you, you'll you can right. you're never going to be in that rarefied air. So Malik, we said 23 pointers over under. He's got four so far. Thought maybe he you know well, if he gets more playing time, he can make shots. You know the shot looks good, um, but there, it's hard to get a lot of playing time when when you're struggling with the in the other categories fouls. Uh, unnecessary fouls, turning the ball over, things like that. And here's a guy, uh, the next one on the list, who doesn't play a whole lot either, John Kaiser. Um, he typically finds himself in the game when things have gone really bad yeah. and Lodic needs to uh, kind of straighten things out a little bit. Yeah. When Valpo's winning, Kaiser's almost never... Yeah, and I think this is what John Kaiser's role is going to be, yeah. quite frankly. Um you know, he came in as a walk-on. He certainly earned a scholarship. He, he, he's a, you know, you're going to have a roster. And now Valpo has guys sitting out this year where a lot of times you got 13 guys, and 13 guys are never going to be in the rotation. And John Kaiser is the perfect guy, quite frankly, not to be a rotation guy. You can count on him to come in and get a defensive stop. He can play multiple positions. He can make free throws in the clutch. Uh, if you get in foul trouble or there's an injury, he can contribute without hurting you. Uh, he'll never complain. Uh, he's got a great attitude. He's a great student. You know, there's nothing wrong with having John Kaiser on your team uh, who, you know, a lot of guys, they don't play and they complain, and he's not ever yeah. going to do that. He's always going to have a great attitude, uh, always great to be around. He's always great when you, when you need help on uh, some sort of scientific trivia questions on the bus. <laughs> uh, I, I, 
I think he'll go down as one of my all-time favorite Valpo Crusaders. Uh, but as far as being a contributor on the basketball team during games, uh, he's probably never going to have much of an impact, and that's okay. Uh, let's give him an incomplete. Yeah, he really absolutely. hasn't played yeah. much at all. And, and there were times, I think he played the five in one game this year against, was it uh, Wake Forest, where he had to come in and play the five, or, or was it uh, Western Kentucky? Yeah. And he actually defended better than the other guys were defending. Uh, he'll work his tail off for you. Um, and it's hard to say anything bad about him. Here's an interesting factoid about John Kaiser that I think some people haven't picked up on. When he wears the mask, because he doesn't wear it all the time, when he wears the mask, that's when he's going to play the five. Yeah. But he doesn't have to wear the mask when he's going to play the four. Right. And uh, and so it's always interesting <clears throat> to see when he comes in if he's got the mask on or not. Obviously, if Jay or Derek aren't on the floor, then you're going to see what he's doing. But um, we said 1.2 offensive rebounds per game. He's got six the entire season. That's just not going to happen. But, again, incomplete for Kaiser. Brings us to the final guy on the team, Ryan Fizikas, leading the team at 12.9 points per game. Yeah. I think – I know that I changed this number originally. I think I had 12 and a half, and then I bumped it up to 14.2, and uh, he's at 12.9, so he's a little bit under. I would imagine that number will rise in conference play. I think so, but I don't know if you'll get that high. And again, if Makari starts making shots, uh, he's going to take away some of the field goal opportunities. Um, Ryan's had games where he's been great. Again, he had six threes at George Washington. Um I think he's kind of been what we expected. I think some folks were a little worried on when he was missing some shots. Then he got out of roll and he was on fire. And then he had two horrendous games shooting the basketball. Yeah. Where he was one for 12 from three uh, against uh, A&M and Ball State. Uh, and then he made some threes here in the, the game against an NAIA opponent. So we'll see going forward uh, what happens with Ryan. He's been good. He's rebounded the ball pretty well. Uh, he works hard defensively. Um He's been about what we thought. You would hope he keeps the three-point percentage up close, maybe to 45%. Uh, he can make a lot of shots. Uh, again, outside of the three and maybe some putbacks, there's not much offensive game, quite frankly. Uh, we've seen him try to go to the basket. It's not his strength. Uh, try to shoot off the dribble. That's not his strength. But, boy, he's he's got a he's got a long arms he can get in deflect passes and because of that he can shoot over the top of the defenders um you know he's got to be a for ryan physique is to be a really good player he's got to be up around 45 percent from three that's a high number that would put him top 50 in the country but that's the type of player he's got to be because that's his strength yeah and he's right around 80 percent from the free throw line he, he gets to the line here and there um like four and a half rebounds a game as we said 16 assists to just 10 turnovers got the least amount of turnovers of any uh, guy who's played more than 15 minutes a game um you know, one block, three steals doesn't really. That's not really part of his his game. But well, you're, I was gonna say, you remember how like over the last couple of years, how Ryan Brokoff developed sort of other parts of the game, um, and Ryan Fazekas is you know older than Ryan Brokoff was at, at that point. Ryan Fazekas is technically a senior uh, academically, right? He's been in college. This is his fourth year, um, but Ryan Fazekas' game looks a little bit like Ryan Brokoff's game, maybe throughout some of his freshman in the beginning of his sophomore year. And then throughout Ryan Brokoff's sophomore year, he was able to shoot a little more off the dribble and put yeah. the ball on the floor a little bit more. Um, and then obviously became that complete player and conference MVP his junior year. Um, and you would maybe Ryan Fazekas can develop them. There's a lot of similarities between their games at a certain point. But, you know, Brokoff took that step forward. Now Ryan Fazekas, again, he's a senior 
age-wise in, in college. He's got another year and a half at Valpo. Let's see if he can progress and do some other things a little bit better. We set the over-under for Valpo at 19.5 wins. They're at 7 right now. Yeah. It doesn't look like they're going to get there. If, I, if you go 9-9 nine and nine in conference, that puts you at 16, and then you would need to win the conference tournament in order. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think they're going to get to 20. Uh, you know, I, I mean, still have hopes of them being over nine and nine in conference. Yeah. Um, but they've, you know, they got to play better. They got to play up to their ability. Uh, there's other teams in the league have gone through the same thing. Uh, I had somebody ask me, you know, what are the chances against Illinois state? I said, you know, if we play up to our ability, we can win. And they said, well, I thought they're really talented. I said, Hey, listen, if you're sitting in Bloomington, Illinois right now, and you're looking at what Illinois state's done, they've lost four out of their last five. You're thinking, well, what chance do we have going on the road in conference? Valpo, so, I think's favored in the game. Yeah. So, the the finish in the valley. I, I it's it, to me. I I think if you could successfully predict one through ten mm. today, you should go get a Powerball ticket. Yeah, I no, just don't there's know. No, there's no chance right now that any of us would any of us who followed it closely could sit down right now, uh, pick the teams from top to bottom, and come up with the with the right combination. It seems absolutely impossible right now, and I think. Uh, you know, I know Drake has been really, really good, uh, but are they talented enough to win the league? I don't think so. And Drake did uh, this last year too. They got off to a hot start they in the league, did. and and then just kind of puttered they, out. They at did, the end. and that team was more veteran, more talented than this team. Now they've got a point guard who's a transfer from UAB who actually started ahead of Dion Lavender and Nick Nestor. Who, Nick Norton. Nick yeah. Norton. Yeah, Nick Norton, who will be, it would appear. Uh, like a first-team all-conference player. I mean, his numbers are great. He leads the league, and he's averaging over six assists a game, and he's scoring over 14 points a game. Uh, he has been unbelievable for them, and, and he's the number one reason why uh, they're 11-2 and in their top 100 in the RPI, and they've got big wins. But outside of that, the rest of their team is, you know, and not taking anything away from those kids from the region, but uh, is that team talented enough to win the Missouri Valley Conference? You wouldn't think so. Uh, Indiana State, because of the – They've got two players who are potential all-conference players and, and a guy who could be MVP of the league. I would think they might be the team to beat right now, which is kind of shocking because yeah, I didn't think they were picked yeah. six, 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 yeah. and I didn't think uh, their depth was good enough. But when you've got great guard play in this league and guys wow. who can handle – we've seen Ball State, how good they have been this year, and they've got a tremendous backcourt. Um you know, you could win. You could win the league. I wouldn't be shocked if Indiana State wins the league. Now, having said all that, Loyola, Illinois State, Bradley, those teams that were picked up top with all the talent they had, I think by the time the end of the season, those teams are going to be in the upper half of the conference. So, Valpo, we said five and a half. Over means one yeah. through five. Under means six through ten. Uh, well, I've got to still say they're going to be over because what what am I going to say? I'm going to get, you know, <laughs> I'm going to get strung up. I, they have got to play better on the defensive end, and certain guys have to make more shots. Yeah. And if that happens, hopefully things will work out. Um, you never know when it's going to click, and you never know when things are going to turn around. And sometimes, you, you know, I remember going into that season, Paul, you remember this, the team that had – Really, potentially four all-conference players: Ali Berdiel, Mo Kone, yeah. uh, Ron Howard, Dan, Dan Oplin. This is um, the season that most represents. And 05, I know people, people. People have asked me that. Um, 
And I think we went into the season. Jimmy Miles was on that team. Seth Colclasier was a veteran on that team. I think we went into that season thinking, okay, we got a chance to win the conference championship, and the season was a disaster. I think that team, though, did win at a very good Charlotte team. You know, you never know when it's going to click. And sometimes things turn around, and then you get on a roll, and that could happen. Um, the team that went to the Sweet 16 uh, had double-digit losses by January, and then they won, what was it, 12 games yeah, in a they... row? Um there was a team you, you a just, couple of years later that uh, was really struggling, and Tommy Lasorda came in and talked to the team, and they rattled <laughs> off 10, 11 games in a row. Yeah, I mean, things like that happen. Um, going all the way back to the 92-93 team, they had a couple late conference wins. They were struggling, a couple late conference wins, and then they went in a non-conference game and beat Notre Dame by 20, and then they beat a great Northern Illinois team in the conference tournament. Things suddenly did just turn around. Um, and then they almost beat Wright State uh, at Wright State, uh, a team which went to the NCAA tournament in the semifinals. Sometimes things just, you know, all of a sudden, guys start playing better, guys start making shots, you start feeling good, and you get on a roll. And, uh, you know, when Valpo went to West Virginia and almost won and then, and then went to UNLV and won, he said, God, if this team plays like this, they can win the Valley. So who knows? Well, it'll be fun tonight, Valpo against Illinois State. Thank you for joining us, and uh, maybe at the end of the year we'll come back and review I would love to do that. Thanks, All right. Paul. Thank you. Thrilled to have a special guest now, uh, a guy that I've always kind of wanted to, uh, to have on the podcast because you see him at every Valpo game and really a lot of road games. Uh, the guy that sits around midcourt with his wife, uh, always wearing an I don't want to say obnoxious shirt because <laughs> I have a lot of the same kind of shirts in my wardrobe. So I'm going to say always wearing the kind of shirts that I strive to wear on a daily basis. Uh, Jeff Safran is here. Jeff, thank you for joining Union Street Hoops. Thanks for having uh, me. It's 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 great. You know, covering Valpo over the years, you get a chance to meet not only the coaches and the players, but a lot of the people who follow the program. And I, and, and you've always been – you're at a lot of the way games with your wife. Uh, I, I've seen you in Milwaukee and – Northwestern at the conference tournaments. You went out to Vegas, Vegas this year recently. Yeah. Um, what? Uh, you're not a Valpo grad. No, IU grad. Your wife's not a Valpo grad. Purdue grad. How did you come about being a Valpo fan, and then and then getting maybe I guess the primo spot right there? <laughs> yeah, they are pretty good seats. Yeah. Uh, it it started out where uh, one had to be a, an IU fan, one wanted to be a Purdue fan. We figured, hey, Valpo is going to be a neutral uh, uh, team to to cheer for, and the opportunity came up about 15 years ago to get uh, tickets. We went to a game and fell in love with watching this team play. It's awesome. It's, it's a great awesome. time. You and you guys are two of the biggest Valpo supporters that are out there. Um, I think Gracie gets on the refs a little bit here and there. I think you also get on the refs. A little I, bit. I've been told to mellow out lately, so I'm mellowed out. But yeah, she—it's uh, kind of funny. She does get into it. She's a great basketball uh, fan for sure. Well, you both are. And one of my favorite stories is uh, the time that uh, the Horizon League tournament several years ago. Uh, I think you were the host for Oakland. I know where this is going. Yeah, we had hosting. Uh, we were host for. Uh, they gave me an opportunity, and I told them I wanted Oakland, and I wanted uh, Greg Campy. Yeah, and so you, <laughs> Greg Campy, <laughs> who, is, who is a character in and of himself, uh, 
says, hey, you know, you can sit on our team bench. And they were doing really well. They were beating UIC. And somebody, and we don't have to get into the whole story, yeah, but somebody's like, somebody's like, you can't be sitting on the bench and kind of says to you, and, and Campy gets upset about it, and and uh, and you have to come off the bench. And I think UIC went on like a huge score. They went run. on like an 18-2 to two run, and it was right in the middle of the game that uh, the Horizon League at the time came over and said, you need to move. And I'm looking, I need to move, and Greg looks down at the end of the bench and sees me three rows behind now, wanting to know what is going on. He starts, he says, uh, we're going to take care of this at halftime, and uh, it, it was pretty sad. They were up, and as I said, UIC went on a huge run, and uh, they would not let me back on the bench, but it, it got people's attention pretty was quickly. really good. Um, Which was nice. So, so you've been to so many Valpo games over the year. Were you excited about the move to the Valley? I mean, it takes you away from from guys like Campy and Billy Donlin when he was at Wright State, and I know that he's not in the league anymore. But those have always been some good guys. But what do you think of the new the new league? I think the new league is great. I think it's going to be fantastic for uh, really Valpo. I think you're seeing uh, a really in the RPR rankings, they're in the top 12 at all time conference wise. You're looking at a great conference and you're seeing uh, really some incredible basketball uh, players that are coming out of this conference right now. So it, it was a big step up. I do miss uh, Campy and Donlin. Uh, it, it's tough not seeing them, but I think it's the right move for Valpo long term. It'd be a good move. Loyola went to the Final Four last year, and uh, and, and everyone thought that they were going to be the top team coming into the conference. Um we, I mean, first of all, I guess, wh- which games are you planning on going to this year? Well, I'm going to all of them. You know that. Well, uh, the home games, but I, will you travel to any of the away uh, games? We will try and probably do uh, the Northern Iowa uh, travel. We went with them out to, to Vegas, so we do try to go as many as we can. Um, but I would love to obviously do the Loyola one being so close. That's going to be a, I think that's going to be the rivalry game in this conference with uh, these two. Yeah. And I think I think last year, I think it might've been on Valentine's day and I think it's right around, you know, that, that point. Um, but so you've had a chance to look at Valpo a lot, but you know, we're looking at the conference conference pl- season starts in several hours. Um, what do you what do you think so far? What do you what do you, I mean, everyone's kind of been a little down this year with uh, you know not a lot of these teams that we expected to be good have not been great but but uh, Illinois State and Missouri State Valpo's first two opponents I guess what do you what do you think about them? Well, I think Illinois State's going to be a contender this uh, this year for the Missouri Valley. I think they are a great team. Uh, they're deep with some key returners. Uh, they've got three guys that are going to average forty seven points a game on their return, and they're starting four seniors and one junior. Um, some red shirt. Um, they've got a defense they say similar to the Baylor defense. So I like Illinois coming out, uh, or Illinois State, I should say, coming out of the conference this year. Um, and then we were playing uh, Missouri. Missouri was, at Missouri State on Saturday. At yeah. Missouri State. Uh, again, we're going up against some uh, halfway decent team. Missouri State's picked to finish eighth in the conference, but they're starting four seniors too. Yeah, and uh, Jared Dixon is really, really good. Yep. Um, Obadiah Church is on their team. He's... I think was out and and uh, there's a possibility that he may no longer be with the program. It's kind of uh, back and forth. Uh, you know, apparently Dana Ford, their new coach, has said Correct. that 
there's some things he's got to get sorted out, and he's still with the program. But he is, he the reason I bring up Obadiah Church is he played in the same AAU program as Alec Peters, and Obadiah Church is a guy that Valpo looked at for a long time, and he's a good, good uh, I think shot blocking center in there as as well. Yeah, and they got two uh, new starters, possibly uh, both redshirt, a redshirt freshman and a redshirt senior. Uh, seniors Webster and the redshirt freshman is Ritter. I wouldn't be surprised to see these guys uh, coming off the bench very quickly or starting. And Ritter just was eligible, I think, uh, a couple weeks ago, a couple days ago, and, and he's a guy that should be very good for them. Correct. Talk to me about uh, the defense that Missouri State plays. Uh, the, the defense, they are known for what's called a chaotic defense, and they're very interesting. Uh, they'll show man – uh, as you come down the court, and then they'll switch over to a very high zone defense where uh, it's a 1-2-2 two, two zone. They'll have the guy at the top almost at the three-point. They'll have the two that are normally down low up high almost at the free-throw line and another two uh, that come in, and they can switch in and out of that defense. Uh, it's known as a chaotic defense, which really throws off offensive teams. How are you going to uh, run your offensive plays? you got uh, man-to-man here, and then all of a sudden you're thrown into a zone. You have to make adjustments very quickly. Now during the non-conference, do you uh, did you try to follow any of the Valley teams and see how they did or anything? I did, like that? and you know it's very interesting. The Valley uh, really, uh, I think only one team, if I'm correct, was in a well. I should say quite a few, but they were average. Uh, you've got seven and six, uh, Illinois State. You got Loyola that was preseason seven and six. You've got Southern Illinois that was average. Bradley seven and eight. Northern Iowa five and eight. I believe Valpo was seven and six. Seven as well. and six as well. So you've got Drake. I think is eleven and two is the only team that has got a uh, has got a winning record. Well, no, excuse me, not a winning record. The only team that really has been special, Indiana State went 8 and 4, uh, but a lot of these other teams are all 7 and 6, you know, 6 and 6, 6 and 7, 5 and eight, all of that. They're all kind of muddled in. Northern Iowa's got the freshman AJ Green is supposed to be really good, but they have had a pretty rough uh, non-conference. I think a lot of these teams are probably just happy to get to conference play. I right? think that they are. I think that they they know that uh, in this conference, you're really not going to get an at-large bid. So you really need to save some of the bodies. And you're right about A.J. Green transferring over from uh, Pepperdine, and they've got him ranked as a possible 100 top prospect in the country this year. So I think each team has its own uniqueness this year, which kind of leaves it open, but I think uh, it's still going to go down to a three-team horse race probably yeah, at the end of the year. I, I, I think, think so. Loyola, Southern Illinois yep. and Illinois State absolutely will be uh, will be there. Um, what what do you like about Valpo? Who who has? I mean, you've had a front row seat for a lot of these games. Um, Todd Ikaw was on earlier. Who we broke down kind of each player. But who do you like from Valpo, and, and who needs to play better in your opinion? Well, I tell you what, I really liked is Marcus Colder starting as opposed to coming off the bench. If you notice the last game, now granted uh, who they played, they did play, but I got news for you. Marcus played extremely well. You know, they've, they've got him slated as an off the bench. Uh, I'd like to see Marcus go in the start rotation now. I think uh, it adds a dynamic that they need. Um, and I think we're going to rely heavily, I think, on three players for leadership. I think we got to rely on Marcus. You've got to rely on Bakari. And I think one of the biggest improvements I've seen this year is our post-play with uh, with Smiths. If he stays out of foul trouble, uh, Derek has been uh, he is he's been a beast in there, and they're going to need that this year. Um, what do you th- what do you think about Javon and Daniel, the two freshmen? You've seen them now probably I don't know eight or nine times in person. Yeah, and it, it's interesting. Uh, I got to meet Daniel uh, before the season started. Daniel reminds me of Max Joseph. Okay, he's he's quick. 
He's aggressive. He likes to push the ball up the court. Uh, I think he can throw he can throw some curveballs at a defense that just doesn't know how he is because he does like to push, but he plays that freshman, and you've seen those early mistakes. Uh, Javon has been solid, I think, most of the entire preseason. I think he's been very stable. Um, I just think that as soon as Valpo can start uh, getting those perimeter threes down, which, you know, the, the, the whole league last year struggled in offense efficiency. I think seeing uh, Valpo hitting those threes will open up that post pay for Derek and hopefully keep him out of foul trouble as well. It's a big uh, difference there. And Fizikas plays a big role in that, obviously. If he can continue right. to hit three-pointers, Todd said earlier in the podcast, you got to see him get up to about 45%. He's at 41% right now. If he can start knocking down some threes, that'll free up maybe Smith's inside. Absolutely. And, uh, and Soroya needs to, uh, to get it going. Um, what kind of advice would you give to Bakari Evelyn, who has really struggled with his three-point shot? Do you do you dispel advice at all sitting there on the front row? Do no, you, you know, I, I learned a long time ago, you let a shooter shoot. They're eventually going to get out of that, and you just can't try and teach him to do it. I'd let him continue to shoot, continue to shoot, continue to shoot. And once he gets that streak like any good shooter, that streak's going to be there, and he's going to be on fire. He has struggled, there's no doubt about it. You have been up front row, front and center for a long time. <laughs> uh, two or three of your favorite Valpo basketball players of all time. Who who's, who makes your list? Um, I mean, you've been here for about the last 15 years. Who's? I, it's funny you bring that up. We were talking about one. I would go back all the way to the days of Howard Little. Yeah. Uh, Howard was always a character, and he was a leader out there, if you remember. Uh, you can't go wrong. Uh, we know Ryan Brokoff personally and his family. Uh, I'm definitely going with Ryan. Uh, probably is really one of the all-time greatest to play here. I'll never forget that shot uh, that won the game, if you remember. The Green Bay shot. Yeah, how, did, Green... how did you react? Did you end up on the court? I lost my voice, and yes, we were on the court. <laughs> uh, that was something that uh, you'll never, ever forget. Uh, and you, you, you have to look at at the true leader and then you have to fall to Alec Peters uh all three uh but every player that's come through here has been a really good kid great act uh I mean great discipline uh and I'd put Alec Peter and those would be my three favorite that I've watched over the last 15 years play here well I think you mentioned something big with Howard Little as he was a leader and if there's one thing that this Valpo team has is maybe lacking and it's it's that it's that kind of accountability leader, right? I, I, well, I'm glad you brought that up because I told my wife where I was going on here. I said, I'm going to talk about they just don't have a leader. And she says, be very careful what you say. Well, no, I But th- it, yeah. it is the truth. Yeah. I, I think they're missing that go-to guy that will pull that other player over or pull that team aside and take them even before you get to a huddle or before you get to that free throw line and say, this is what we're going to do. This is what we need to do. Somebody needs to step up. Uh, but you're running four juniors playing right now. And so. I think, you know, past groups, Tavon and Max, the the past seniors, were not they, – they were lead-by-examples kind of guys. Correct. The group before that, Alec, was a lead-by-example kind of guy. But Lexus and Jabril were leaders. Um, Eric Bugs was the oh, leader yeah, yeah. on that group. And I think you're right with Howard Little was a guy that and, – and, and I think we see glimpses of Daniel Sackey being – that leadership kind of guy. And I think him moving into the starting lineup is going to go a long way to helping maybe give credibility to him being 
that kind of leader. And it might not be this year. It may not take place until next year where, where he can rally the troops, so to speak. Yeah, and I think it was good. You know, you were bringing him, I think he was 6-7 or 7-8 coming off the bench uh, in, in the preseason. And I think he's going to get and need a lot of playing time. You see the character in him, and I saw that in the last game, where he did rally the team a couple times. And, you know, let's do this, let's do that. And because you get to hear some of those things. Uh, I think Daniel Sackey has every bit of that to, to take this team over and be that leader. And you're right, whether it's this year or not, but he does have that character. You uh, you get to sit pretty close. Is there uh, is there good trash talking you, that you get to pick up on? from? Yeah, uh, you, it, it is kind of fun. You, do, you get to, as a matter of fact, it happened in the last game. And um, you get to hear a lot that goes on down there. <laughs> Um, I, I'll never forget, uh, even sitting on the bench the one time, which was really an incredible thing. Uh, you ought to hear how these players go after each other and what they have to say. And, uh, it's, it's pretty neat, especially on the inbounds plays. And obviously you get to hear what the refs have to say occasionally too. Very good. Jeff, I want to thank you very much. Uh, okay. Fine. Before we wrap up, uh, gun to your head, who wins the conference? Uh, I'm taking Illinois state. Where does Valpo finish, 1 through 10? I think Valpo, if they can get their shooting together, could be easily a 5, maybe a 6. But, you know, you you can't be shooting that way and expect that to happen. And they're still a young team. They're four juniors. So you always hope for the best. But I think Illinois State is awfully, awfully deep this year with four starting seniors and 47 points uh, scoring average with four three starters. Valpo, Illinois State taking place in about four and a half hours. Uh, I'm going to let you go, Jeff, so I can edit this podcast and get it up for the people to listen to. And uh, we'll see you at the Arc tonight and every night for the rest of the year. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, Paul. Thank you. Union Street Hoops, you can catch again every week on NWI.com and on iTunes and on SoundCloud. And you can hit me up on Twitter at NWIOrin. Thank you very much. The Valley starts tonight. Take care, everybody.